Chapter Two of My Lady's Money. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My Lady's Money by Wilkie Collins. Part One, Chapter Two. Robert Moody was at this time nearly forty years of age. He was a shy, quiet, dark person with a pale, closely shaven face, agreeably animated by large black eyes, set deep in their orbits. His mouth was perhaps his best feature. He had firm, well-shaped lips, which softened on rare occasions into a particularly winning smile. The whole look of the man, in spite of his habitual reserve, declared him to be eminently trustworthy. His position in Lady Lydiard's household was in no sense of the menial sort. He acted as her almoner and secretary as well as her steward, distributed her charities, wrote her letters on business, paid her bills, engaged her servants, stocked her wine-cellar, was authorized to borrow books from her library, and was served with his meals in his own room. His parentage gave him claims to these special favors. He was by birth entitled to rank as a gentleman. His father had failed at a time of commercial panic as a country banker, had paid a good dividend, and had died in exile abroad a broken-hearted man. Robert had tried to hold his place in the world, but adverse fortune kept him down. Undeserved disaster followed him from one employment to another until he abandoned the struggle, bade a last farewell to the pride of other days, and accepted the position considerably and delicately offered to him in Lady Lydiard's house. He had now no near relations living, and he had never made many friends. In the intervals of occupation he led a lonely life in his little room. It was a matter of secret wonder among the women in the servants' hall, considering his personal advantages and the opportunities which must surely have been thrown in his way, that he had never tempted fortune in the character of a married man. Robert Moody entered into no explanations on that subject. In his own sad and quiet way he continued to lead his own sad and quiet life. The woman, all failing, from the handsome housekeeper downward to make the smallest impression on him, consoled themselves by prophetic visions of his future relations with the sex, and predicted vindictively that his time would come. "'Well,' said Lady Lydiard, "'and what have you done?' "'Your ladyship seemed to be anxious about the dog,' Moody answered, in the low tone which was habitual to him. "'I went first to the veterinary surgeon. He has been called away into the country, and—' Lady Lydiard waved away the conclusion of the sentence with her hand. "'Never mind the surgeon. We must find somebody else. Where did you go next?' "'To your ladyship's lawyer.' Mr. Troy wished me to say that he will have the honor of waiting on you. Pass over the lawyer, Moody. I want to know about the painter's widow. Is it true that Mrs. Tolmage and her family are left in helpless poverty? Not quite true, my lady. I have seen the clergyman of the parish, who takes an interest in the case. Lady Lydiard interrupted her steward for the third time. Did you mention my name? she asked sharply. Certainly not, my lady. I followed my instructions, and described you as a benevolent person in search of cases of real distress. It is quite true that Mr. Tolmage has died, leaving nothing to his family. But the widow has a little income of seventy pounds in her own right. Is that enough to live on, Moody? her ladyship asked. Enough, in this case, for the widow and her daughter, Moody answered. The difficulty is to pay the few debts left standing, and to start the two sons in life. They are reported to be steady lads, and the family is much respected in the neighborhood. 
the clergyman proposes to get a few influential names to begin with and to start a subscription no subscription protested lady lydiard mr tolmidge was lord lydiard's cousin and mrs tolmidge is related to his lordship by marriage it would be degrading to my husband's memory to have the begging-box sent round for his relations no matter how distant they may be cousins exclaimed her ladyship suddenly descending from the lofty ranges of sentiment to the low i hate the very name of them a person who is near enough to me to be my relation and far enough off from me to be my sweetheart is a double-faced sort of person that i don't like let's get back to the widow and her sons how much do they want a subscription of five hundred pounds my lady would provide for everything if it could only be collected it shall be collected moody i will pay the subscription out of my own purse having asserted herself in those noble terms she spoilt the effect of her own outburst of generosity by dropping to the sordid view of the subject in her next sentence five hundred pounds is a good bit of money though isn't it moody it is indeed my lady rich and generous as he knew his mistress to be her proposal to pay the whole subscription took the steward by surprise lady lydiard's quick perception instantly detected what was passing in his mind you don't quite understand my position in this matter she said when i read the newspaper notice of mr tolmidge's death i searched among his lordship's papers to see if they really were related i discovered some letters from mr tolmidge which showed me that he and lord lydiard were cousins one of those letters contained some very painful statements reflecting most untruly and unjustly on my conduct lies in short her ladyship burst out losing her dignity as usual lies moody for which mr tolmidge deserved to be horsewhipped i would have done it myself if his lordship had told me at the time no matter it's useless to dwell on the thing now she continued ascending again to the forms of expression which became a lady of rank this unhappy man has done me a gross injustice my motives may be seriously misjudged if i appear personally in communicating with his family if i relieve them anonymously in their present trouble i spare them the exposure of a public subscription and i do what i believe his lordship would have done himself if he had lived my desk is on the other table bring it here moody and let me return good for evil while i'm in the humor for it moody obeyed in silence lady lydiard wrote a check take that to the bankers and bring back a five hundred pound note she said i'll enclose it to the clergyman as coming from an unknown friend and be quick about it i am only a fallible mortal moody don't leave me time enough to take the stingy view of five hundred pounds moody went out with a check no delay was to be apprehended in obtaining the money the banking-house was hard by in st james's street left alone lady lydiard decided on occupying her mind in the generous direction by composing her anonymous letter to the clergyman she had just taken a sheet of note-paper from her desk when a servant appeared at the door announcing a visitor mr felix sweet sir end of chapter two recording by todd